one thing I noticed that a lot of comedians were not what you'd call the class clown. They were more the people that sat back and observed. They were more on the fringe, on the outside looking in, which is what comedy and humor is. It's the, it's the ability to observe things that other people take for granted. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 97. And my guest today is the very, very funny Kay Francis, who's a motivational humorist and shares her message to lighten up, stress less, and take care of ourselves in 40 U.S. states and all over Canada for the past 30 years. She holds a master's degree in business administration, a degree in health and physical education, and is a fourth degree black belt in karate. Now, when it comes to humor, Kay is the real deal, having performed as a professional stand-up comedian for many years and appearing on a number of national television and radio programs. Additionally, Kay is the author of The Funny Thing About Stress, A Seriously Humorous Guide to a Happier Life. Now, I laughed throughout the entire interview, but here's the kicker. She uses humor and puts her examples in a context so that's relatable to everyone in her audience. But when she's discussing ways to reduce our stress, she is very serious and to the point. That, my friends, is what a great humorist does, makes you laugh, and is serious about the message. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Kay. Hey, everybody. Oh, my God. You're in for a treat today. Uh, If you're listening to this and you're in the car, you might want to pull off the road, pull into a rest stop or something, because I, I will guarantee you will be laughing so hard you may wreck your car. So please be safe because today I've got the very, very funny Kay Francis with me. And thank you so much for taking time to make me laugh and my audience laugh today. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, Peter and I have been bantering back and forth for about 15 minutes before this started and I'm all out of funny. So now, <laughs> you know, these people are going to be pulling over and saying, well, what was the point of that? Yeah. We, we, it's not funny at all. What is wrong with him? Uh, that's true. We, we, may have, we may have used it all up, so I'm going to have to work. I forgot, I forgot to tell you, I'm only funny 15 minutes a day, Peter. I should have warned you. Wow. Yeah. Now now we're in trouble. So, ah. so now it's going to be church music for the rest of the duration. <laughs> ah. or, or we could actually talk about it because in the email that I sent her, asking her if she'd be on my podcast to discuss alignment of strategic missiles. Well, we could... I'm all in. <laughs> you know, not a day goes by when someone doesn't ask me to speak on that. You know, <laughs> so, I'm a professional speaker. I can speak on anything. I didn't say I could speak well, but I can speak on it. Yeah, yeah, name a topic. I, I'll, I'll talk all day long. <laughs> so, okay, can you give my... <laughs> okay, get it together here. Okay, can you 
tell my audience about your background and how you became so funny. Oh, and, gosh. And what you do. Well, I was born the son of a sharecropper. <laughs> oh, wait, that wasn't me. That was David Copperfield. I'm sorry. I thought that was Steve Martin. No, that's another <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know how far back you want me to go. Um, it was interesting uh, because I'm actually, you know, having done, I did stand-up comedy for years and years. I started in 1984. And I know, you know, literally hundreds of comedians. And, it's, and I find comedians fascinating. And I was always interested in what made people funny, how they got into it. And plus the fact we had hours and hours to kill because you stay in a condominium for a week and you go to your show, but then you had 23 hours to kill. So literally you would just spend hours hanging out, talking, philosophizing, not as much, you know, joking and kidding around as you would think, you know, comedians are, are, uh, are an interesting lot, but it was, um, it was interesting to see what sort of parallels there were. And one thing I noticed that a lot of comedians were not what you'd call the class clown. They were more the people that sat back and observed. They were more on the fringe, on the outside looking in, which is what comedy and humor is. It's the, it's the ability to observe things that other people take for granted. So I, I don't know. I was a quiet kid. They called me sad sack. Apparently, I just <laughs> walked around big eyes and, you know, just... I'm on the verge of getting of antidepressant, apparently. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times for my parents, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. And then, uh, you know, I, I, adolescence hit, and I was almost six foot tall. I weighed three pounds. That wasn't <laughs> anywhere with the boys. So I found that, that the girls, I mean, I wasn't cool with them either, but, you know, I'm saying so many of us feel, you know, dorky when you're that age and awkward, obviously. But I found that making them laugh was my ticket in. And I just, it got to where I was just fearless. I would say and do anything if I was going to get a laugh. So it kind of started then. And I actually had diary entries from sixth grade all the way till uh, yesterday. I journaled and have journal. I have boxes of them. And there is a journal entry in my diary in sixth grade. For for my audience, when she said journal entry, she wasn't talking about the accounting term of making a journal <laughs> entry. <laughs> <laughs> She's writing in her journal or her diary. Okay. Oh, and by the way, as an aside, you know, I have an MBA. And when I took accounting 700, it's the only time in my entire life that I took a book and threw it across the room. <laughs> I have never been more frustrated in my entire life. <laughs> I admire accountants. You guys, I don't know how you do it. I was like, ah, it's just that left brain, right brain thing. And I remember I took a finance class and I'd have tutoring. I mean, it just, and I was a marketing major. I'm like the creative side. And I remember we had a party at the very end with the professor and this guy that was like, you know, we all had day jobs. It was a night, night school. And this guy that worked in finance, he said, uh, I said, what'd you think of the test? He said, eh, you know, it wasn't bad. I was like, what? It was awful. He goes, but I'll tell you what, that marketing 700. Oh my God. You had to come up with those marketing plans. (laughs) It was a nightmare. And I just thought, that the difference in how people's brains work yeah exactly so back to your journal entry but yeah but the, so i said i read my theme to the class and everyone laughed it made me feel really good so i learned early on even though as i say i wasn't what you call class clown yeah. uh, because we had really so many you know in the 70s everybody was right <laughs> drugs or a clown you know <laughs> uh, uh, that was just the 70s so but 
So I don't know. And then I got real serious, you know, I went to college and of course I was a big party girl and all that, but then I got really serious, got my MBA, went into the uh, business world, you know, was director of marketing for a restaurant chain. And then I don't know, something snapped. I, on a dare, somebody asked me on a club med trip in Cancun, Mexico to do a stand <laughs> <laughs> what, could, what could go right wrong there? I know. I was like, how hard could it be? Well, I was a heavy drinker then, so it happened. I went up there, and, uh, and half the audience didn't even speak English. I guess they liked, they, I guess they thought I just looked funny. I don't know. But it went great. It was awesome. So I was living in Oklahoma at the time. I went back to the comedy club and signed up for open mic night. I was like, Pfft. I got this. I've been told I'm funny my whole life, you know? Got up there and just ate cheese from the big wheel. <laughs> Awful. And then, because what I did was I told all my club med jokes. Well, you had to be there. There was way too much setup, you know? Right. So it made me kind of mad. I'm like, you know what? There's something to this. I'm going to figure it out. So for the next six months, I went up every week on open mic and I was just terrible. I was awful. And it took me six months to finally win open mic night. I mean, you know, and I was the worst of a pile of crap. You know what I mean? I mean, (laughs) you're all pretty bad. And I was the worst of the worst. So it took six months. So it's so funny when people think comedians have big egos. I think you you have to have no ego. Right. Just put up with that week after week, month after month. And it takes a good 10 years to really hit your stride and find your own voice. So it's, it's quite a process. So then I ended up, Third company in a row that went bankrupt. And I I thought, I'm going to do stand-up comedy. I was 29 years old. I said, I'm going to do it. And uh, my parents, I didn't know how to tell my parents. You know, I was like, well, I won't come right out and tell them what I do. I'll just describe it to them. I said, well, I work late at night and show people a good time. <laughs> like, oh, my Lord, our daughter's a hooker. I said, no, 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 no. They laugh when I perform. <laughs> She's a hooker. She's not even good at it. <laughs> so, yeah. So about 11 years into it, I think they got used to it. Oh, my God. You know, I, I hope you all pull over to the side. And if you're not laughing, <laughs> this is just going to be for me because I'm just... Uh, <laughs> but I, I, so I, got a, I got a question. So in, in doing this and, and having done stand-up and, and having been up and delivering jokes at open mic night and hearing crickets, eating cheese, bombing, whatever. <laughs> and you, crickets eating cheese. And crickets eating cheese. But the, you do want to get back up there because you do, you do want to figure it out. It, it is, it, it's, it's frustrating why sometimes you can get that belly laugh and there's so much into a belly laugh versus when you don't get it. But when you, if you think about it, you've applied a lot of that even in the way you deliver your presentation to the audiences that you deliver to, that, that, that you're in front of. Well, material, comedy material has to be worked out. You can get a laugh one time and the next time not. But if you find that consistency, you should get a laugh all the time. And for stand-up comedy, the the equation is 80% of the audience laughing 80% of the time. That's a pretty high standard. Yeah, it, is. it just takes years and years. And it's frustrating because people go, well, I got a big laugh. I did it again. I didn't get a laugh. Well, it may need tweaking. It can take dozens and dozens or hundred times of working a bit of material. I did a joke one time, and uh, I did a word that ended in S, and it, was, it worked okay. And this comedian said, you know, if you drop the S off that word, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work better. And I did, and it doubled the laughs. I mean, it's just, 
And another thing people don't understand is that you can be a very funny person. Your friends, your family, your coworkers think you're hilarious. And, and, you, are, and you are. I mean, I don't take that away from anybody. But when you go up in front of a room full of strangers, they don't have a backstory on you. They don't know who you are. So you're starting from scratch. You don't have the advantage of a, a, you know, a famous comedian who you already know who they are. We already know their voice. Chris Rock gets up there. You already know who Chris Rock is. You right. know his voice. You know his, you're there to see him for one thing. So every time you get up in front of a room full of strangers, I mean, they're looking at you. They're making instantaneous decisions about just by looking at you. And then you have to figure out what works for you. I mean, a joke that works for me may not work for you and vice versa. It's just, there are so many factors. It's maddening, really. A joke that works at the beginning of your presentation may not work at the end and vice versa. So it becomes this big jigsaw puzzle that just takes years and years and years. I think you'd agree with this because you said that, you know, those who are comedians, humorists, that we might be the quietest one in the room because we're always looking and we're always observing. Mm-hmm. And we're also going through our Rolodex in our head of associations. Yes. You know, not, not, not not like the Ohio Society CPA associations, but associations, relationships. Yes. Because I said something the other day. I went, I, I realized that God was an NFL fan. <laughs> well, apparently, because everybody prays to him for their game. <laughs> but, but if you think about it, they, we just played the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The weather was fine. When they played the Super Bowl in Giant Stadium in New York in February, there was no snow. However, I learned that God also bets because he put money on the Patriots. And in 2015 and this year, the Patriots have lost. And have you seen how much snow Boston's getting these days? <laughs> right? Coincidence? I don't think I so. I don't think so. <laughs> but it's those type of associations that are constantly running in our heads that help yes. us in, in finding the funny. And it doesn't always work. Right. Uh, right. But... And you use and you use your humor to bust stress. You're the stress. You're the America's funniest stress buster. Yes, yes, I am. And people say, "Well, that's pretty cocky." Well, would you want a surgeon that says, "I'm not really that good"? Or you want a surgeon that says, "I've been doing this 34 years. I know what I'm doing. I've got this." Right. I mean, what do you want? But when you say you're funny, it's like people go, oh, "Well, you're really full of yourself." Yeah. Well, yeah, but I've earned it. I've earned it. Now, I know that I'm not funny to everybody every minute of every day, and I don't want to be. It's exhausting. I wouldn't right. want to. And plus the fact, now that I do speaking, I'm more of a humorist than comedian because I have kind of gone out of the stand-up comedy. So the kind of the difference is that what my humor now ha- needs to support a point. That's kind of the difference. Comedy can just be funny for funny's sake. You can talk, and you talk about your own life, too. You can just say, me, 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 I, I, I. With what I do, it has to relate more to the audience and what their pain is and what their needs are. And and I try to make my humor real universal because that's kind of one of my selling points, really. I'm kind of a generalist mm-hmm. that I really don't have a niche or niche, I guess the fancy word is. Oh, 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 oh. A niche. I don't have a But do you have do you have no niche? Do you got some butter for me? But that means I don't have your butter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in fact, I got a compliment on that reason. I did an after dinner event. It was for a meat processors association, but it was, uh, they had spouses and kids and, you know, older and younger and, and blue collar, white collar. 
that's what I design my humor around, that everybody can enjoy it. So it's very universal. Some might say generic, and that I don't even care because it works for me. And I know that certain universal experiences that we all have, driving, that kind of thing. I want I want my audience to feel included, not excluded. So I try to make my humor reach out to as many people as possible. Now, my perspective is that of a middle-aged woman. So I'm not going to pretend I'm 20 if the audience <laughs> No, that's not my perspective. So, uh, so, so I, it's like almost a shotgun approach. I'll hit everybody at some point. You know, there are things that younger people will get that the older people won't get. Right, and, and I, I like that about you reach a wide, vast audience of different demographics, di- different specializations, because you're taking everything and putting things in context that everybody in that audience has experienced which increases the funny when you hit them with the funny. Yes, exactly. Relatable humor to me is, is some of the best. I admire all kinds of humor. I love storytellers. I'm, I'm working on that. I'm in progress. I, I stopped saying I'm a terrible storyteller because I, I just think that's you know a bad thing to affirm, to keep saying you're bad at something. You're going to keep being bad at it. I've exactly. worked on my storytelling because coming out of stand-up, everything was kind of set up punch. So I'm getting better at storytelling. But there are people that just are so are masterful storytelling and there's so many different types of ways to purvey humor there are people that are super esoteric i mean i love that i love blue humor on a good day i mean (laughs) i don't do it because it's a choice i've made uh it's not a moral choice it's a it's a wanting to include as many people as possible and not offending so you know about a little edge when you work clean you have to have a little bit of an edge right uh you're just doing balloon animals (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's a bad form of humor. I'm just saying. Make what was the line out of out of uh, Bridesmaids? Make me a bike, funny man. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with with the balloon animals. Um, yeah. Do you know uh, NSA member Rick Roberts out of Nashville? Yes. Yes, yeah. I do. So uh, Rick and I go back a long way. I've interviewed him on on the podcast, oh. and, and uh, he was kind of featuring at the time when I was doing. Uh, open mics, ah. and, and he's always worked clean, and yeah. but he has a little bit of an edge. But I, I remember him saying that if you want to get corporate work, you can't be blue. You've got you've got to stay clean, and you've got to be respectful for the audience because th- that is the difference between stand up and what you do. You you know you're not Lewis Black attacking the audience. No, and not only that, exactly. Not, and not only that, you um, you don't want to make the HR people look bad. And, and there's some sensitivities these days. Listen, when I leave that platform, you should not have a whiff of my politics, my religion. And I know that makes me a little bit vanilla. And it's it, what I gave up when I gave up stand-up was basically freedom of speech. But it's a, but I have freedom because I it's a freedom I choose. Right. As a stand up comic, you have pretty much freedom of of speech. You can say what you want, how you want, when you want, where you want. But there are limits to that too. There are mm-hmm. clubs that have limits. They don't want you to talk about this or that or the other. And mm-hmm. you could go over the line. I mean, you know, it's not like unlimited unless you become like really famous. It's like earned authenticity. Right. You know, like earn the right to now say and do anything they want in the way that they want. But yeah, definitely with corporate, uh, it's, um, I don't know. I just, it's just not my goal to see how many people I can offend. And I never have been, been that edgy to where I wanted to, to be offensive. I'm just not offensive person for the most part, you know? 
don't know. No, I, 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 I would not even think that you would be that, that type of person. Uh, I see more of a high energy, inclusive, very fun. How can I make, but I, I think, that, you know, we're talking about the humorous versus the comedian. You come in, you have understood or, or researched what the pain that organization's going through and you're using your humor to make, to make the point stick. Yes, exactly. That's it, exactly. And I, you know, there is an entertainment element. That, right. And I think when you do keynote speaking, there needs to be an entertainment element. Because oftentimes, what they'll just say to me, they'll go, hey, we just want somebody to close out the conference. And whenever they use the word just, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, they're, we just want somebody to, you know, it's like they, they want to, you know, then kind of lay on the funny and have some fun. I actually end my presentations, almost all of them, with about a 10 to 11 minute uh, singing. Actually, sing. Sing. Yes, I do. Uh, I do this whole piece. It's look, Peter. It started as two songs, where I talked about how times have changed by comparing our songs, and I did the one by Vicky Carr from 1967. I tell myself, don't be a chump. Who cares? Let him stay away. And then the phone rings and I jump. And as I grab the phone, I pray, let it please be him. Oh, dear God, it must be him. It must be him or I shall die. Or I shall die. Hello, hello. Oh, dear God, it must be him, but it's not him. (laughs) And then I die. That's when I die. How pathetic was she? <laughs> I don't understand why he didn't call. Then I go, whole different attitude today. Now I'm going to do a snippet of a song by Carrie Underwood, so you may have to use your imagination. <laughs> and of course, they laugh. I go, what? I look just like her. One hundred percent. I know. I go in. <laughs> I go in that song. I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Carved my name into his leather seats. I took the Louisville Slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. <laughs> then I go. You know, he'll sure think before he dates another psycho. <laughs> That was the piece. Now, it, it's like 10 or 11 minutes. I do a bunch of songs in the good old days, and then I, 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 I do songs from now. Don't you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass. No travel. All about that bass. So I do, and I can, you know, it's weird, Peter, but most of my voices are men. I don't know. Go figure. <laughs> most of the voices that I can sing, like uh, I do Roy Orbison. Pretty woman walking down the street. Pretty woman, the kind I'd like to meet. Pretty woman, you're as lovely as can be. Are you lonely just like me? No! Who's <laughs> pretty? Leave her alone! Are you, all I think it's missing is the glasses. Other than that, yeah, right. you, 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 nailed, you nailed it. Hey, I should wear the glasses. Good idea. Uh, those big, thick grooves. But I can, I can just imagine you, you, your audience. Like on, on your website, Genetech, they're sitting there and, and you're you're relating to them. But talk about stress buster. After I can't, I, I want to just sit in a room next time you have a keynote anywhere near. I want to attend and just watch the audience because I can just imagine. I want to watch them walk in, and, and I you could probably see the tension that's there. Long day, you're probably an afternoon or whatever, and or they've been at this conference for a long period of time. And then when you start going, 
and you start getting revved up, their stress is just now, for that period of time, is completely gone, as well as for days to come, because I'm not going to be able to get half those songs on my head right now. I know, right? <laughs> Earworm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that's, that, that's the, the amazing power that you bring, because you're bringing humor. And when we laugh, I, I'm assuming, because in a club, you want them laughing all the time, that 80%. Right, but then, but then at the end of it, I can never remember the joke that was told. Versus a humorous, I want to make them laugh, but I want them to also take time to resonate, percolate in that. Exactly, yeah, and and I make my points why because I just talk. Also, you know what I love about what I do, Peter, is that it is more of a reflection of who I am in life. It's it, and and I always say that I want to be the same on the platform as I am off, and it's not because I'm some moral. I'm basically just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> a thing you know but i just <laughs> you know i can just talk like a person because right. it's like you and i are having a conversation we make some jokes and we talk a little bit that's what i do right. i make some jokes and but i want to talk i really have some things i want to purvey to the people so i just love that i can combine all this you know, it's like i combined everything i've ever done my education my experience my passion my comedy everything and it's all poured out now into what i do and i've never been happier with what I took, man, it took a long time. Believe me. Well, yeah, that, this is something that doesn't happen overnight. And, and, no. And I, and I can I can pretty much say the same thing. I'm taking all my experiences. Yes, um, you are. My 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 time doing stand up, more of my time doing improv, and the ability to want to ha- make it, have an effect on another person. And in the time when I was teaching at Ohio Dominican, wrapped it all up into this nice thing at the ripe old age of fifty seven. Yeah. To go on. But I've been doing this now for eight years. Oh, actually full time for eight years, but 15, 17 years. Yeah. And I've come to realize that I'm unemployable right now. I'm not, excuse me. I'm not employable. <laughs> you are rich. I, I'm not. I, I cannot be employed I because I've created something. I, but I know. So there's no turning back. I mean, you really, once you go all in with this, but once you go all in, you begin to create the things that you want to create. Right. I mean, I believe that's like a universal law. Once you decide and you go all in, the universe conspires to bring you whatever you need to make it happen. Stay open to, to, you know, the ideas, let it evolve, let it change and shift. And, you know, I, I read, I read almost rebrand. It feels like about every two years Yeah. or or do something. I, uh, Mike Rayburn, who spoke at our chapter at the beginning. uh, I've seen him. He's awesome. In August. But he talks about rebranding. And in business, we get to a point where ratchet up, we start to get to this plateau. And then if we're not doing something different, that curve can start going downward. And he used Apple and Steve Jobs as an example of, okay, we got the iPod. That's kind of now what do we need to do? How do we we reinvent? Because it used to be Apple computer. Now it's just Apple because they're a lot more than a computer company. Right. Amazon used to only sell books. Zappos only sold shoes. Right. And that reinvention that, but I think at what we do, we have much more freedom to do that than working uh, in a major corporation. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I like that you keep rebranding. You're, you're, you're the Madonna of the speaking world. <laughs> I saw you just take a spit take there. <laughs> yeah, I, she's, she, she's good. She delivered the punchline right when I was taking a sip of water. <laughs> we need a mop on all three. We got to clean up. 
So uh, you have a, first my memory, it's a new book. Oh, well, it's, it's been in here a few years. It's called The Funny Thing About Stress. Well, there's nothing funny about stress. I there? know, right? Yeah. So tell us about The Funny Thing About Stress. Well, it's, it's kind of like how I speak about 75% humor and 25% message or points. And I give, I give little tips on uh, different ways to manage your stress. And actually, when I first wrote the book, I wrote out my keynote. So a lot of the chapters were actually sections I had, but then I kept writing and writing and writing. So some of the chapters are, if they start the funny thing about driving, the funny thing about, they're pretty much just humorous. But then chapters in between are, are chock full of more helpful tips. And then I put little, little tips at the end, to, uh, points to ponder, that's what I call them, at the end of every chapter for people to think about. You know, have you laughed today? You know, what have you gotten upset over something silly today? Yeah. So yeah. let's think about my world, the accounting world. And today's date is March 20th. They have, they have bypassed the major deadline of the corporate tax return, either to be completed or to be extended. And now they've moved into individual tax returns due on April 15th. They've been at this since early part of January. And it's just been constant boom, 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 boom. And by this time, they're tired and they're stressed out. What advice would you give these folks? This is tough. You know, a seasonal business like that, it is because so much is crammed into such a short period of time. And the thing is, knowing how stressful it is, it's even more important to let go of stress about things that don't matter. It's also more important... And I'll maybe be preachy, but it's just the truth. It is more important than ever to take care of yourself. You well know you operate better on a good night's sleep than on three hours of sleep. And you simply must learn relaxation techniques to come down off of that stressful day and be able to relax. And I know a big, big fat bag of Cheetos might taste better than a salad, but you will feel better and function better with better nutrition. So those little things we know to do, and even though it may not feel like you have time to exercise, if you make time for it, it will actually give you more energy. It's counterintuitive. I know you're like, I don't, I am exhausted. I don't have the time or the energy for a 30 minute walk. Mm -hmm. I would make the time really. And we all have 24 hours a day, even in your busy time. So you've just got a priority. Make sure your friends and family understand. And I'm, and I'm sure they must if they've been with you a while. But these four months are just going to be insane. And, and to try to, to please keep any other additional obligations off your plate. You've got the other eight months of the year when you can relax a little more. I mean, I know it never really stops. But uh, so, so learn to say no. Learn to say no. No, I cannot volunteer at the school during January, it just, everything else needs to be on hold. So you, you've got to make you a priority during that time. And, and some of these relaxation, relaxation techniques, are you including alcohol in that? Well, you know, you know, uh, now not for me, because I figure if a glass of wine is good, then a 55 gallon drum has got to be, you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, not a, listen, it's all about balance and moderation. There's nothing wrong with a couple of beers or a glass of wine at the end of the day that helps you to relax. Now, if it's waking you up at 1 a.m. and you're not getting back to sleep, then that's a problem. But if, 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 you, if your body metabolizes a nice glass of wine with your meal, a couple of beers, helps you wind down, calm down, not a thing wrong with it. It's all about balance and moderation. It but is. don't 
have it instead of your salad and your green leafies and your, uh, right. you, we know, we all know what to do. We just don't necessarily want to. We all know what to do. It's But it's hard to do it when you're in the throes of it. And it's hard yes. to remember because everything else is on your mind. And um, we're tired. We get, and sometimes we say we get lazy. Like, screw it. I'm just going to go. Dude, I'm, I'm going to go eat that bag of Cheetos and, and, and have a six-pack. You know, occasionally that's okay. But if you do that day in and day out, you're going to become more and more sluggish in the daytime. Then you're going to be on that cycle where you have that three o'clock crash. So you're going to be reaching for sugar. And then you reach for more caffeine. Now you're up at night, can't get to sleep. It really, that kind of thing for your stress helps in the short run. Right. But really, in the long run, it doesn't. The things that we would rather not do are what gives us energy. A walk will give us energy. Eating good vegetables and fruits and salads will give us energy. Drinking a lot of water will give us energy. The other things are okay in balance and in moderation. Again, we don't want to make that our first go-to all the time because it just begins to wear us down. Before you know it, you're getting sick. And right. those four months are not a time to be getting sick. No, we we can't afford it. Uh, the other thing I, I I say as it relates to this time of year, and you know about humor as that stress buster. I'm not talking about humor. Walking into somebody's office, and go, hey, did you hear the one about a priest or rabbi and Bill Clinton walking to a bar? <laughs> I did watch, but it was not that good. <laughs> But, I said, uh, that's beside the point. I, I don't know if I need a priest. Or, I sound more like Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> no, but, but it's not about telling a joke because no. you're just going to make somebody mad. But I, I always say using that humor is really showing up to work with a positive mental attitude. Absolutely. That's what I preach. And also optimism. And, you know, people hate those fluffy words like the oh, optimism, all oh, easy for her to say. Yeah. But there's actually science behind it. The American Heart Association did an exhaustive study. and They found all things being equal. People with an optimistic spirit had better heart health, a stronger immune system and a decreased risk of stroke. This doesn't mean you have to be that annoying person that comes bounding in. Happy, happy, happy. The one that everybody wants to strangle. But up here. <laughs> In our minds, we should have a nonstop party going on all the time. And sometimes we just need some perspective. You know, a lot of what we worry about are simply first world problems. It's the kind of problems that people in third world countries just roll their eyes at. You know, they're like, oh, you, you can't get any cell service. I walk five miles for clean water today. How sad for you. <laughs> about perspective. And that's not to right. say that, that, you know, we live in a modern society. These stressors are real. And right. I'm not saying to downplay them. They're absolutely real. But a little perspective does help now and then. And again, let go of those other things because especially for these accountants with this four-month period, they have legitimate things to concern themselves with. They cannot afford to be scattering their stress cards. You know, we all have so many. That's, that's like my tongue-in-cheek theory. We have so many stress cards. Don't fritter them away on things that don't matter. And you're right, that positive attitude humor, take a couple of minutes, go on YouTube, watch some kittens frolic, and it will refocus you. <laughs> and, and, and you know those negative co-workers? Oh, yeah. You know the kind of people that can just suck the energy out of the room when they walk in? I call them joy busters. <laughs> These are the kind of people, no matter how good your news is, they will find a way to rain on your parade. Yeah. You can go out to one of these people and say, you're not going to believe this. I just won the $100 million lottery. And they just shake their head. Uh, uh, uh. You know, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. 
Yeah, you're only going to get you're 50. Really you end up with 50 million. <laughs> yeah, somehow I'll make ends meet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just about, you know, keeping calm, deep breaths. I know that's, look, it's simple. And I wish there was a magic bullet or a, 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 a silver silver bullet or a magic bill that we could give to all your listeners and that their stress would just melt away. But it is day by day, minute by minute vigilance. Check in with yourself. Are you deep breathing? Are you relaxing? Don't hold that tension in your shoulders. That all begins to accelerate. Before you know it, you're stressed out. And 85% of disease and illness are stress-related. I know we're having so much fun. Now I'm getting depressed. <laughs> I well, like those side effects on the drug ads. Actually, I think you're giving me a chance to catch my breath. Oh. <laughs> she really understands her audience because I can't give him a chance to breathe. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, but we just have to, it's just day by day, minute by minute vigilance, you know, just, just check in with yourself, make sure you're breathing deep, make sure your muscles aren't, aren't, aren't tensed up. And sometimes we tense up like that. We're not even aware we're doing it because we didn't get enough sleep. So right. we're worried we'll fall asleep right on the spot. So we just stay tense all day. Right. And I always say, you know, you were talking about exercise and I don't have time to exercise, but you got time to take an office lap. Yes, you do. That's you right. You. Get up from behind your desk. Help you refocus too. And yeah. you know what? Carry a clipboard with you, because if you carry a clipboard, you, you no one will stop you. You know, I can't talk right now. You look important. Like you got somewhere to be, or a folder, file folder. Oh my god. Yeah, and just just I, I can't. You know, uh, oh hold. I got, I got you know, and just book. Because otherwise, people want to stop you and you know, yin yang. And, oh and, and an office lap becomes a half hour away from your desk, and that's you don't want that. Oh, my God. I just had this flashback to my father when I got my first corporate job. He said, son, get there before your boss. If you get up from your, from your desk to go anywhere and carry a folder with it to make it look like you're busy and you're doing something, even if you go to the restroom. <laughs> and you just lay that all out again. You just brought all of that back for me. Thank you. So oh, that's much. awesome. Yeah, but it, it, there is some truth in that because if you just want to get a break, and kind of just take that walk. If you if you have nothing in your hands, people are going to stop you. They're going to stop okay. you. And you look like you have nowhere to go. You're wandering. Right. With the file folder, you look like you're headed somewhere. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I got I to gotta do this real quick. Yeah, I, I, gotta gotta think. I got a thing. I got a guy I got to go see. I got a guy. Yeah. We all got that guy. Yeah. yeah. That guy. Yeah. And, guy. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I always would say is when, when, when everything's said and done, don't come to the office for a few days. Catch up, really catch up on your sleep. Go play 18 holes of golf, 36 oh, holes oh goodness, of golf. yes. Do something completely not accounting related. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because it becomes your whole life. I remember, look, I was in the corporate world. I can remember this time of year. I came into the office one time. The entire accounting department was in their same outfits. Yeah. They had not left. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. I said, Did, weren't you wearing that blue shirt yesterday? Because we never left. What? You yeah. never left the office? They let, They stayed all night. You knew that? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. I, I remember working at Price Waterhouse, leaving the office at three to go home and take a shower and change clothes to come right back to keep working during this time of year. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel for people. It's yeah. very difficult, but that's why they have to be very, very selfish about their time and their energy in all other areas because the work is just going to demand it. Yeah. And, and I do remember that doing that consecutively and after busy season ended, man, I hit the wall or the wall hit me. Yeah. It, it, it does catch up with you. And, yes, it does. And, and back then we weren't taking as good a care of ourselves as we probably should be. 
Uh, and even now in times of, of stress and I've got, you know, working 14, 15, 16 hours or whatever, I still try to employ these things that we've been talking about. So I don't hit that wall. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And frankly, when you're a little bit younger, you have a little more, <laughs> you, you know, resilience, but even then, even if you're a younger person, it will still catch up with you. It will still, you'll, you'll wind up for it first. It'll be a cold. Then it'll be, you know how you know when you just run yourself down. Yeah. Even if you're kind of a younger person that, that it, these principles still hold true. And, and, and these principles we hold when we do our businesses, because I have a busy time of year that I'm, I'm traveling a lot. I'm yes. away from home. I'm in hotels and then, you know, and then usually after everything's said and done, when my body slows down and catches up with me, next thing you know, I, I've got the sniffles or a cold or I know uh, it. It just, and it's, it's inevitable, but I've been able to minimize that at least trying to do some of the exercise and eat right while I'm on the road. And it, it doesn't have that big of a, of a curve or a wall that I hit. Exactly. And I think it might've been, I'm, 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 in fact, it was in speaker magazine. It talked about traveling on the road. I love this. It said, don't act like you're on vacation. When you're on the road. <laughs> I was so guilty of that. Oh, you know, really? I was like, Woo, cheesecake, party, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't have to, you know, it's like you're on vacation. Like, Oh, I can have a, Burger and fries, you know, yeah, you you have to even be even better on the road, right? It's even more important to, to flush out and find those daggone salads, you know. Right. So yeah, and and this time of year, and I, uh, my neighbor had on my one of my earlier podcasts. Uh, I think it was in the first fifteen, and she's a nutritionist, and she was talking about about eating well during this time to keep that energy level yes, up. Yes, yes. Stay, stay away from the pizzas. And- I know. It's tempting. It's easy. It just it doesn't. It's it's. I know it's counterintuitive, and you're tired, and it just doesn't. In the long run, doesn't make you feel any better. It feels good in the short run. Not one bit. So as we wrap up, any parting advice or anything humorous that you want to see if I can spit more water out of my mouth with? <laughs> oh, and now I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> don't yeah. you hate, don't you hate that when when somebody says, "What do you do?" and you go, "Well, I'm a humorous or comedian." Hey. Tell me a joke. Tell me a joke. Yeah. You know, you know which one I always tell? So, all right, so this this horse goes into a bar, and the bartender says, why the long face? I tell the worst. And, and you know what? It makes me just cackle because I look at her face. They're like, she thinks that's funny. She, she's getting paid for this. They're not paying her much. I tell them the worst possible joke. And then I tell them, well, you just got your money's worth. Yeah. You got what you paid for. You just got what you paid for. That's right. No, I just would encourage people to, you know what? We are a stressed, stressed out nation. We are. And we, again, we have legitimate things to concern ourselves with. So let the little things go. I know that's not an original concept, but it's a good one. Just let those little things go and try to keep optimistic. Keep your sense of humor. Make serenity your default emotion, not anxiety. Whenever possible, get back to serenity. Feel your feelings. Be real. I don't mean that people should float around on a pink cloud, but that's not a hysterically funny way to leave people. But I think it's I think it's pretty sound advice. Yeah, it is. It is sound advice. I, but I love the description: the pink cloud. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Floating around in your pink cloud. Yes. <laughs> yes. Floating around. Well, okay. I can't thank you enough for spending time. I've had a blast. Uh, I, I think this. 
to me, I've exercised today because I, my stomach muscles have been convulsing back and forth. I may have like a six pack now after spending hey, five minutes oh, with see? you. See, there you go. That <laughs> humor just keeps on giving, doesn't it? The gift that keeps on giving. Thank you so very much. I, I, I can't wait till I, I see you um, at a, a future upcoming NSA meeting, and I look forward to next year with you. Peter, you're a delight. And I think what you're doing here with your podcast is wonderful. And I know you're helping a lot of people. And uh, I look forward to working with you more in the future. I I appreciate that. Thank you. I would like to thank Kay again for making us all laugh and sharing with us those simple tips on how we can reduce our stress. Like the simplest of things of eating healthy, pushing the pizza away, and get plenty of sleep. In episode 98, I interview Scott Palmer, who's the Executive Director of Adult Learning at Butler Technology and Career Development School. I conducted a half-day workshop for his team based on my book, Improv is No Joke, and we'll be discussing that session and the results he has seen since. So thank you for listening, and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with your clients, your customers, and even your family. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.